Chapter Two of Colonel Thorndyke's Secret. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Colonel Thorndyke's Secret by George Alfred Henty. Chapter Two. Standing some two miles out of Reigate is the village of Crowswood a quiet place and fairly well-to-do, thanks in no small degree to Squire Thorndyke, who owned the whole of the parish, and by whom, and his tenants, the greater portion of the village were employed. Greatly had the closing of the manor-house, after the death of old Squire Thorndyke, been felt. There were no more jellies, soups, and other comforts to be looked for in the time of sickness, no abatement of rent when the breadwinner was sick or disabled, no check to the drunkards, whom the knowledge that they would be turned out of their cottage at a week's notice kept in some sort of order. When, therefore, after ten years of absence of all government, John Thorndyke, after the death of his brother, the colonel, came down and took possession, he found the place sadly changed from what it had been when he had left it twenty years before. His first act was to dismiss Newman, who, completely unchecked, had, he found, been sadly mismanaging affairs. It was not long, however, before his hand made itself felt. Two out of the three public houses were shut up in six months. A score of their habitual frequenters had, weeks before, been turned out of their houses. An order had been issued that unless a cottage was kept in good order, and the garden bright and blooming with flowers in the summer, a fresh tenant would be found for it. Every child must be sent to the village school. The squire was ready to do what there was to be done, in the way of thatching and whitewashing, repairing palings and painting doors and windows, but, as he told the people, the village had to be kept clean and decent, and any one who would not conform to the rules was at liberty to leave without a day's notice. Many of the villagers grumbled under their breath, but public opinion was, on the whole, favourable. There was someone to look after them now, someone who would see that the greater portion of the wages was not spent at the alehouse, who would take an interest in the people, and who would lend a helping hand in bad times. There was a feeling of regret that the squire was a widower, but the post of visitor and almoner was well supplied by the lady who acted as companion and governess to the squire's little ward, and regulated the affairs of his household. John Thorndyke had never had much occasion for the display of energy before, but he had an abundance of it, although hitherto latent. He had come into the business against his will, but he took it up with a determination to do well in it. The income was legally his until his niece came of age, but he was determined he would take nothing out of the estate beyond the necessary expenses of the position, and that all surplus should be expended in improving it in every way possible, so that he could hand it over to her in the most perfect condition. Therefore, when he came into possession, he made a close inspection of the farms, with their houses, barns, and other tenements. Where he saw that the men were doing their best, that the hedges and fields were in good order, he did everything that was necessary without a word. But where there was slovenly farming, and signs of neglect and carelessness, he spoke out his mind sharply. "'This has all got to be amended,' he said. "'What must be done, I will do, but unless I see things well kept up, the fences in good order, the hedges cut,' the cattle in good condition, and everything going on as it ought to be. Out you go next Christmas. The estate at present is a disgrace to the county, but it shall not be so any longer if I can help it. 
I shall do my share, and any one who is not prepared to do the same had better look out for another holding at once. No one rejoiced more at the coming home of the squire than Mr. Bastow, the rector. He had had a pleasant time of it during the life of the old squire. He was always a welcome guest at the house. Mr. Thorndyke had been ever ready to put his hand into his pocket for any repairs needed to the church, and bore on his shoulders almost the entire expense of the village school. In the latter respect there had been no falling off, he having given explicit instructions to his solicitors to pay his usual annual subscriptions to the school until his son's return from India. But with the death of the squire the rector had gradually lost all authority in the village. For a time force of habit had had its effect, but as this wore out and the people recognized that he had no real authority, things went from bad to worse. Drunken men would shout jeeringly as they passed the rectory on their way home from the alehouse. Women no longer feared reproof for the untidiness of their houses and children. The school was half emptied and the church almost wholly so. For seven or eight years Mr. Bastow had a hard time of it. It was, then, both with pleasure as an old friend, and with renewed hopefulness for the village, that he visited John Thorndyke on his return. The change in the state of affairs was almost instantaneous. As soon as it became known that the rector was backed heart and soul by the squire's authority, and that a complaint from him was followed the next day by a notice to quit at the end of the week, his own authority was established as firmly as it had been in the old squire's time and in a couple of years Crowswood became quite a model village. Every garden blossomed with flowers. Roses and eglantine clustered over the cottages. Neatness and order prevailed everywhere. The children were tidily dressed and respectful in manner. The women bright and cheerful, and the solitary alehouse remaining had but few customers, and those few were never allowed to transgress the bounds of moderation. The squire had a talk with the landlord a fortnight after his arrival. "'I am not going to turn you out, Peters,' he said. "'I hear that you make some efforts to keep your house decently. "'The other two I shall send packing directly their terms are up. "'Whether you remain permanently must depend upon yourself. "'I will do up your house for you and build a bar parlour alongside, "'where quiet men can sit and smoke their pipes and talk and take their beer and comfort.' and have liberty to enjoy themselves, as long as their enjoyment does not cause annoyance to other people, or keep their wives and children in rags. I will do anything for you if I find the place well conducted, but I warn you that I will have no drunkenness. A man who, to my knowledge, gets drunk twice, will not get drunk a third time in this parish, and if you let men get drunk here, it is your fault as much as theirs. Now we understand each other. Things once placed on a satisfactory footing, the squire had but little more trouble, and it soon came to be understood that he was not to be trifled with, and that Crowswood was no longer a place for the idle or shiftless. Two or three of the farmers left at the termination of their year, but better men took their places, and John Thorndyke, having settled matters to his satisfaction, now began to attend more to other affairs. He had been, when he first came back, welcomed with great heartiness by all the gentry of the neighbourhood. His father had been a popular man, and young Thorndyke had been regarded as a pleasant young fellow, and would in any case have been welcomed, if only because Crowswood had become a nuisance to the whole district. 
It was indeed a sort of rendezvous for poachers and bad characters. It was more than suspected that gangs of thieves and burglars made it their headquarters, and that even highwaymen found it a convenient and quiet resort. Thus, then, the transformation effected within a few months of Mr. Thorndyke's return caused general and lively satisfaction, and a year later he was put on the commission of the peace, and became one of the most regular attendants at the bench of magistrates. Reluctantly, as he had taken up his present position, he found it, as time went on, a pleasant one. He had not been conscious before that time hung somewhat heavily on his hands, but here he had duties to perform and ample employment. His nature was naturally somewhat a masterful one, and both as a magistrate and a landlord he had scope and power of action. Occasionally he went up to London, always driving his jig, with a pair of fast-trotting horses, and was known to the frequenters of the coffee-houses chiefly patronised by country gentlemen. Altogether, John Thorndyke became quite a notable person in the district, and men were inclined to congratulate themselves upon the fact that he, and not the Indian officer, his brother, had come into the estate. The idea of an old Indian officer in those days was that he was almost of necessity an invalid, and an irritable one, with a liver hopelessly deranged, a yellow complexion, and a hatred of the English climate. The fact that, instead of leaving the army and coming home at his father's death, George Thorndyke had chosen to remain abroad and leave the estate to the management of agents, had specially prejudiced him in the eyes of the people of that part, and had heightened the warmth with which they had received his brother. John Thorndyke had, upon the occasion of his first visit to the family solicitors, spoken his mind with much freedom as to the manner in which Newman had been allowed a free hand. "'Another ten years,' he said, "'and there would not have been a cottage habitable on the estate, "'nor a farm worth cultivating. "'He did absolutely nothing beyond collecting the rents. "'He let the whole place go to rack and ruin. "'The first day I arrived I sent him out of the house "'with a talking to that he won't forget as long as he lives.' "'We never heard any complaints about him, Mr. Thorndyke, "'except that I think we did once hear from the rector of the place "'that his conduct was not satisfactory. "'I remember that we wrote to him about it, "'and he said that the rector was a malignant fellow, "'on bad terms with all his parishioners. "'If I had the scoundrel here,' John Thorndyke said with indignation, "'I would let him have a taste of the lash of my dog-whip. "'You should not have taken the fellow's word.' "'you should have sent down someone to find out the true state of things. "'Why, the place has been an eyesore to the whole neighbourhood, "'the resort of 